Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'm Eric Arnault, and this is Blank Cassette, the podcast that takes a close look at your mixes to get the stories behind the songs. If you're a longtime listener, you may remember that last year we took Thanksgiving off, but I put out a mini episode that mentioned how every year I listened to a specific Elton John live album on Thanksgiving, as it was recorded on Thanksgiving night in 1975 and features the last ever live performance of John Lennon. Well, this year I wanted to expand on that a little, so my best friend Ben Rathert and I put together a collaborative playlist of our favorite Elton John songs. Uh, Mutual love of Elton is actually one of the bedrocks of our friendship, which we'll talk about in this episode, so that was a perfect team-up. It's not exactly a typical Thanksgiving soundtrack, but who needs typical, right? Hopefully this will be a pretty good overview of an iconic music legend for you, and it probably has some surprises in store even if you're a big Elton fan. And remember, if you have a mix you'd like to have featured on this show, we really want to hear from you. Just send an email to mixtape at nerdalogs.com with a track listing and a brief description of why it exists, and we'll get back to you ASAP. We hunger for mixes. Feed us yours. Now, I hope all you lovely people out there have an excellent Thanksgiving spent with those you love. While you're driving to wherever it is you have to get this weekend, maybe toss on some mountain and see how you feel. See you next week. Hey everybody! So this is uh, this is Eric. You know me, and I am here with uh, Ben Rathard. Hi. Yeah, you probably know Ben too if you listen to this show for a while. And today we're talking about Elton John, yay, uh, who I think is an artist that was important to the formation of our friendship in certain ways. Indeed. So, like, where let's let's talk. Well, let's talk about this first. Where does your love of Elton John come from? A definitive moment I have was making cookies while my mom had her little TV and radio on in the kitchen and it was just playing oldies and Levon came on and I, I was probably like 12 I'm like this is a really important song like he's singing about things that I'm, I as a 12 year old boy <laughs> anyway and yet Levon was one of my picks and not yours yeah that's that's interesting yeah, yeah good good choice I knew I could count on you to pick up anything that I wasn't gonna pick so yeah. <laughs> so Ben and I both picked our top 10 and then we I arranged them in like a reasonable playlist order but there were three on which we overlapped, technically four, and then Ben was like, well, I'm going to put an 11th in. <laughs> uh, but the three we overlapped on are at the end, and everything else is like one of our one of our picks. So how did you pick your 10? Like, these aren't the 10... I don't think these are necessarily his best tracks. It's kind of a mix of biographical and quality for me. Like, these are the 10 that are most important to me. Oh, yeah. I had 100, and I had a pick. It wouldn't be like with Springsteen, where I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, for me, the... The cream rose very clearly to sure. the top. Uh, which, I mean, some of these tracks, like, I wouldn't even say music. Like, Daniel is kind of like, I really hate the way it sounds, and I tried really hard to find a live version that I liked, and I couldn't find one. But, like, biographically, that song is just so important to me. But, like, that fucking synth flute, it's so lame. And, like, 
the best version of Daniel is like this live solo piano version that is not seemingly on any record, but there is like a DVD performance of it, which is really good. I totally hear you, where like the value of the song is greater than the song itself. You know, like, ah, uh, this is where the memory is, and if, I'm, if I want to have that memory back again, I'm going to have to do it this way. Um, yeah, you're, you're kind of stuck with it. Yeah, I actually have more of like a, an emotional story where like I... I, I, I mean, my exposure to Elton, like probably a lot of people my age, was the Lion King soundtrack, and I loved it. I mean, except for like the songs that just exist in the ether that you pick up on the radio. But the Lion King was the first time I consciously was like, I like Elton John. Yeah. And then my mom took me to his concert uh, in, when I was in, I think, yeah, like sixth or seventh grade, and I was like, okay, this is it. Like, I, I love this music. This is what I want to do. And then uh, my mom had an aneurysm and uh, like fell into a coma. And I remember like my my aunt, who was Elton John, was her favorite artist. Like gave me a gift of like three of his greatest hit CDs to kind of help me feel better when that happened. And so that like I had the love, I had the music, and I was locked in. Yeah, I I did not realize that your mom actually took you to a concert. Uh, my God, though, that's uh, and and. That wouldn't have been that much longer after that 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 happened to her. No, it was like it happened pretty quickly, and I mean the Quad Cities didn't even have a performance venue for all that long, so it was like a big deal that they got one. And Elton John was one of the bigger stars to ever come through there. But like I don't, I barely even remember much of the show, but I remember loving it and being like, yeah, this is this is cool. This is what I want. Take me 
One of my big ones related to like the my origin story is uh, I'm still standing, which I just took as like this anthem of like again, yeah, like you're a kid. I was in eighth grade, and I was like, yeah, this song defines me. Like you can't knock me down. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of my classmates probably would have been uh, getting to like punk or at least alternative like Green Day and Blink at that time, and like that would be their like rebellion uh, music. And mine was this like overproduced pop track from 1984. But I still love that song. And then Daniel was the first song I learned to play on guitar. Ooh. Uh, so that's that's why that one's on there. Yeah. 
Live on, live on lots of money. It makes a lot they say. Spends his days counting in a garage by the motorway. He was born upon the two upon on a Christmas day when the New York Times said God is dead and the war's begun. Oh, I've been tossing a hell the sun today. And he shall believe on. And he shall be a good man. And he shall believe on. And to dash him with the lost ten years back on the hands of the clock in that little house on Mansfield on your old block sometimes the magic of the past is all we've got and it's the contact of the eye that meets across a crowded room and how I kind of wound up the lyrics to your genius said funny but it feels like I've known you all my life How it might feel to kiss you on the mouth tonight In between the star of the days And the California moon The Santa Rana winds blew over to your room We were crazy wild and running Blind to the chains to come In that little
how does Elton relate to our friendship? Because I know we met in college and we kind of bonded over music. Yeah. We, you know, we both have a particular love. As, as listeners of this show know, you have made these volumes uh, <laughs> that have a lot of Elton John on them. And I'm sure that was one of the first things we ever talked about. I remember one of the first times we were hanging out, you had one of his concerts on DVD. And I, I think you were even watching it that night, um, like just, just a, a part of it you, that you liked. And it struck me like... Oh, okay. This guy, this guy really likes Elton John. This is this is fine. I can talk to him about this. <laughs> I can't remember doing that, but I'm sure that's true. Which is like points to the kind of person that I was. Like, it's not cool to be the kid in junior high whose favorite artist is Elton John, but that is who I became into high school. Like he was my favorite for so long. So I picked Captain Fantastic. I kind of look at that as like our song because yeah, we performed that together at a show a couple of years ago. I, I listened to that recording more than I should. It's uh, it's awesome. <laughs> you played so well that night. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I feel like in, in a way that's like emblematic of our relationship, even though it doesn't map entirely like the city performer and like the the country yeah. kid. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty trite, but I absolutely love it. Uh, the the imagery in that song is just awesome too. You know, like the from the end of the world to your town. I feel like you you go somewhere, you go out, you explore what there is, and then you end up coming back, but you're a different person for having been there. Like that's that's part of my life anyway, and it was part of yours. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a as, as an opening track. Um, I was uh, really surprised to learn that Captain Fantastic was like at the height of his popularity when that album came out, that it entered the Billboard charts at number one. It's the first album to ever come into the charts and debut at number one, which his next album did that too. Um, so Elton John was a big deal, man. Yeah, Captain Fantastic is one of my favorite albums of all time. Like, I firmly believe that the greatest year in music is 1975 because you had uh, Born to Run, which is probably the best album of all time. Welcome to My Nightmare, an incredibly underrated classic, and Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dare Cowboy. Like, you can make an argument for 1991, uh, <laughs> but I think 1975 is the best year for music. All right, I've got to know. What, why, why 91? What's it? What's in 91? Oh, well, 91 is, is probably the year that most critics would pick because it's the year that um, Alternative broke with, like, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, uh, the tail end of Guns N' Roses and hair metal. Sure. Uh, Alice in Chains, I think. Like, 91 was probably the biggest single. Like, if you were to point to a year, like, that's probably the biggest revolutionary year in music. Unless you went, like, 77 for disco, but most people don't consider that, like, a good thing. We all try to forget that. But, so. yeah, I think uh, I think 75 is where it's at. And, yeah, uh, Captain Fantastic is for sure one of my top ten albums. Probably top three.
Jesse, I like to be one of those men upon the screen with an elegant lady and a cafe in Paris serving perno and Kahlua with cream. did uh, Songs from the West Coast come out? 2000? Uh, yeah, 2000, 2001. Uh, no, it was 2001 because I got that record actually uh, the week my mom died that came out. So, yeah, it was it was like uh, Elton John like bookended uh, her uh, medical struggles. Man, and I mean, yeah, truly that probably is his last great album unless he's got another one up his sleeve. You know, he hasn't released anything that's of that quality in my opinion since then. I really like The Union, which is his record with... Uh, Leon is, Russell. Leon Russell, mm-hmm. yeah. I love that record. Yeah, uh, Songs of the West Coast, though, was just dynamite for me um i got that senior year of high school and i think it was i listened to it like once a week um but there's there's uh, actually two tracks on here that are from that there's mansfield uh which is one of the last songs on it it's uh, about finding love and making it work and making it real and it's i i love the the uh, imagery about you're living a storybook life um 
but it's, yeah, that's that's a beautiful one. And the other one that really surprised me was uh, Original Sin. Uh, how much staying power that song has had with me over the years, because it seems like just this total pop you know, expression. You know, like uh, you're my original sin. Oh yeah, how, how trite. But like the music is so beautiful, and the imagery of like the the carnival and you know Romeo and Juliet stuff. I. I, I, I'm really surprised how much that stuck with me. It, it reminds me of actually Romeo and Juliet by Dire Straits a, a little bit, uh, which boy howdy, there, there's a song that's gonna last till the end of mankind. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, there's only on our list. There's only four songs on here that are after his like classic period, which is all you know considered seventy to seventy six. Those twelve albums he made with Bernie Taupin co-writing, and him and Bernie would reunite. And in fact, all the four songs we have. After that era are all co-written by Bernie Taupin, I of believe. Of course, yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's two from Too Low for Zero, 1984, and two from Songs from the West Coast, 2001. Yeah. And those are, yeah, definitely his best albums after that classic period. Yep.
So, a little story. Um, My freshman year of college, I've got the music that I brought with me, all my CDs, and, you know, I get them on a computer. I'm still downloading things uh, online. The spring comes, and it's been a really rough year because I'm away from home. I'm away from everybody I know. I've really had to kind of make my, more or less, my own way. I mean, not that, wasn't that hard or anything uh, like that, but uh, it was lonely at times, definitely. Uh, And I I listened to Elton John quite a bit that year to, to get me through. I had a lot of questions about religion um, over myself that year, and I was trying to kind of see the difference for myself about what I was raised and like what the rest of the world looks like and what's my outlook going to be in the midst of all that. And in the spring, when things finally started to green up a little bit and my mood started to lift as the, the snow melted, I really got into this idea of Easter and like, you know, rebirth, and I was, you know, trying to put that into my, my Christian mindset about, you know, Jesus and all that, and I made two volumes for myself that year, uh, there was volume 72 and volume 73 that are kind of my Easter set, and it's me thinking about how does life and death and rebirth and, and God and, you know, being saved uh, kind of fit into the picture there, which you wouldn't be too surprised to go back and look at them now and see that, like, Ben's kind of thinking outside the box on this, he's kind of moving away from a mentality where, it's necessary to be saved to, in order to, to be okay with yourself. But on volume 73, you'll find The Retreat uh, by Elton John. 
and that's like a hidden track on Too Low for Zero, or it was, it was included. It wasn't on the original album, but now that's where you'll find it. Um, this really weird and unusual song. And I initially took that to, for me to think about, like, you know, how Jesus came to earth and then he retreated, and, you know, we, we tried, we did our best, and, well, you know, that, that's all you can do. Um, and I now don't look at it that way. I, 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 I think I actually was putting that on there for a reason to say maybe it's okay to retreat from something that you were so wrong about. And in this case, saying that I worked for decades to try to make religion work in my mind, to try to say that this is okay, I have this belief set, and maybe it doesn't all make sense, uh, and maybe parts of it I really disagree with, but I can hang on to this. And there is real value in saying, you've done enough, this can't work, you have to stop now. So last three on there are our crossovers. Yeah, uh, I think Tiny Dancer was an obvious pick. Like, I bet if you polled 100 people 
98 of them would put Tiny Dancer in their top 10. Well, yeah. It's actually my favorite Elton John song. <laughs> yeah, man, me too. That's yeah. right. <laughs> it's just unimpeachably great. I can't believe we both picked Amarina. Yeah, that's a long shot, I thought. Uh, Tumbleweed Connection is an amazing album. Like, every song in there is great. Yeah, that's my second favorite Elton record. And there's not really any breakouts, though. It's a very consistent record, but it was really hard for me to pick one song where it was like, this is the best song on the album. And I picked Amarina because I think it's kind of divergent from a lot of Elton's catalog. It, it's It's got like kind of a almost like power ballad structure. Like, mm-hmm. it hits the chorus really hard, and it's really like celebratory and cool, and I like it a lot. Yeah, man. The the imagery of, like, you know, young love and, you know, like, being out in a field. And th- that's stuff that I have, like, direct memories from my own life that I've, you know, uh, seamed up with it. Um, but I, I really remember from the very first time I listened to Tumbleweed Connection, when I was, like, probably, like, seven, I remember that song. Uh, that, like, when I rediscovered it later, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the song about, like, uh, when he was in love with, the, with that with that girl. And, yeah, that's the most memorable song of that entire album. So, uh, I love it. That, that beat Burn Down the Mission. That beat Country Comfort. That beat My Father's Guns. Uh, then, uh, of course, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Oh, just, I, I, I love this idea. This That's got to be him writing about his own life, you know, when he's saying, like, you can't sell me. I'm not for you. And because I guess he's talking to like a manager or some some entity like that, um, standing up for yourself and saying, "I'd rather be anywhere but here right now," and I'm I'm willing to go. Um, I love it. It's powerful, you know, to take what you've got, say it's worth standing for, and leave. <laughs> so Elton's always been important to you, but he's still important to you now, right? Like this, very. this music is still like very much alive for you. Yes. Uh, and and I, I told this to a friend of mine a few years ago uh, when I was actually going to see him in concert with you. Um, how much I enjoy Elton John that I, I enjoy that there's always something new to discover. Like literally, there's new music you haven't heard yet. Um, and like this whole thing I've got where I, I buy a new album every year is great because like I like his crap. <laughs> the um, but yeah, beyond that, you know, let's all of his old stuff still rings true. I. I dust off with my kids now so I can't listen to all my podcasts in the car um, when I drive when I've got the kids with me but I have found that Henry enjoys my music uh, pretty much uh, when he's in a mood for it there so we'll pop in an old volume or uh, or an Elton John CD and he, he'll be grooving along in the back seat Evie loves all music so anything with a good beat to it uh, she's uh, she's on board take me to the pilot yeah she's jamming out to that for me Elton's not my favorite anymore but he'll always hold like that special place in my heart of like first loves oh yeah You've been listening to Blank Cassette, a proud member of the Nerdalogs family of podcasts. Blank Cassette is co-produced by Eric Arnault and Ian Williams. Special acknowledgement to honorary granddaddy producer Gary Lucy. All the music you just heard has been presented for critical and historical purposes only. If you want to hear complete versions of the songs, check out our Spotify playlist for each episode or buy the songs through your favorite music retailer. Supporting the arts is the best. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.